0: Hello and welcome to the STC Fit Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Nat Juric, and with me I'll be joined by Ben Scott and Jason Delia. STC Fit are a group of coaches who provide premium coaching and education services to high-achieving women who want to ditch the frustration and achieve the results they want when they want. On the podcast, we'll be discussing all things related to our five-step method to experiencing total clarity in knowing how to achieve your goals, present and future. The podcast is brought to you by at stc fit for all your online and personal training needs if you enjoy today's episode please give us a share and tag at nat stc fit at ben scott stc and at jason gallia underscore stc hope you enjoy the show Hello everyone and welcome back to this week's episode of the SC this fortnight's episode of the SCC Fit Podcast. So this week we have got another guest episode and this is one that I have been wanting to have for probably as long as we've had the podcast. <laughs> so finally I'm very excited to have Amy Beth on the podcast. So welcome Amy.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: So for those of you who don't know, I'm assuming there probably will be quite a few of you who do know who Amy is. Amy is a mindset coach. She's actually been my mindset coach for two and a half years now, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah. So obviously, like I have had the privilege of being able to be um, exposed to her wisdom and her knowledge um, and experience all of the things that she can bring. And obviously, um, you know, we work alongside the mindset pillar inside of our coaching and I think that Amy can bring a lot of value to what we would assume, you know, we might not assume that, you know, we can bring these concepts into our health and our physique and our fitness and our progress and our results but… I really wanted to bring Amy on to discuss how we can use her strategies and the things that she works within to our advantage to have better, more fulfilling results. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you. Would you like to tell everyone who you are, who you work with, what you do, um, just so the listeners can get a good understanding of what you do and what you're about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm so excited because
1: as, as you would have known, you know, that the mind-body connection is a really important part of the, the overall health journey. So uh, a little bit about me, I started my journey probably about 10 years ago now. Uh, I was diagnosed with uh, or undiagnosed officially with a condition called fibromyalgia. Now, it's a very, very loose term, but basically there was lots of things like chronic fatigue, uh, migraines, hair loss, weight gain or weight loss. There was lots of, I think there's about 50 symptoms that you can possibly have at any Mm. given time. So um, for me, that was the pivotal turning point where I went, okay, I don't like the way life is going. I need to do something about this. So I believe it was a uh, a ex-partner's auntie might have been, I think at the time, she was into the natural side of health um, and I I got into that with her and did some hypnosis and, and I started to see some real Real changes in my overall health after the hypnosis, especially I saw that a lot of the um, symptoms that I was having just disappeared mm. in, in a matter of weeks. So that really started the snowball effect of wow, this has got some legitimacy to it's a it. Thing. What's, yeah, yeah, what's this about? So, you know, some uh, some personal self development. I hired a holistic counselor. I think I've been seeing her for about six years on and off. She's been she's now become a mentor. Uh, I did early childhood education, which helped me understand the development of young children, which as we talk more, we'll you'll understand how that comes into play. Uh, and then obviously moving into the, the life coaching side of stuff, which, you know, it, it has so much validation when used in the right way, mm. because in order to move forward, we do have to look at what's holding us back. Mm. And that usually stems from the past experiences that we've had. So, yeah, that's a little bit about how I got to where I am. Um, but yeah, it's the journey's been very up and down. It, yeah. It's not a straightforward journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it definitely, it has its challenges. And and if someone said to you, "This is going to be all sunshine and rainbows," I I would actually laugh because, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you would know from experience, yeah. it's it's definitely not all sunshine and rainbows. It requires quite a lot of resilience, quite a lot of willingness to go into places that you know are uncomfortable. Yeah. So. It's, it's not for the faint hearted, but it definitely has its its benefits if you can push past that fear, so.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, like I know that I have like referred a lot of like my own clients to you. I know Ben has done the same and even um, coaches inside of our, our network. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do with those clients. So like, what are the typical things that you come up against? What are the typical problems? Like, what are the symptoms? What comes up?
1: Yeah, so... The typical problem we see is that most people feel stuck or they're struggling or they feel like they just can't get to that next level of wherever they're heading, whether that be within the weight and fitness, uh, you know, fitness goals or weight loss goals, whatever that might be in that space, or even just life in general. So you don't like your job or you're stuck in a relationship or you're having trouble with relationships in general. Uh, it, it's that f- overall feeling of I'm, I'm stuck and mm. I can't move forward. So that seems to be the overarching uh, comment that I get. Mm. And because of that, life seems quite unfulfilling or you feel like you're struggling and, and you just don't know where to go from there. Mm. So because of that, it often makes us feel like we don't have a choice. We don't know where to go and how to make those changes that mm. we're looking for. And so what I then support the the people that I work with uh, through is looking at what we would call root cause or core traumas. Mm. So, these are the beliefs, decisions and limitations that you place on yourself from a very young age that then dictate what your future looks like. Mm. So, the human body and the the mind body itself is designed to predict the future. It needs to know what's coming so that we can essentially survive. Our mm. main goal is to survive in this life. So in order to survive, we need to know what's coming, right? And in order to know what's coming, we need to have some sense of control of this is where I need to be, or this is what I should be doing. So then we try to control everything in our environment, which at times is is actually not uh, beneficial to us, Mm. I guess. Yeah. Um, trying to control the outcome means you actually miss a lot of what's possible for you, Mm. right? Because you're focused on, I've got to go this way. Yeah. Um, but then you miss what's off to the side. Mm. So if we like sort of work backwards from there, when we look at, I want to move forward, I actually need to start backwards. Mm. So we I think I said it the other day, and I, I bet you I won't be able to say it exactly the same. But I thought I should write this down. It was really, <laughs> it's really good. Um, but it was something like we we use our past experiences to decide our future mm. experiences because yeah. we have to base our decisions off the information that we have interpreted as as children yeah. or you know past experiences that give us an idea or a sense of understanding of how to navigate the next experience. Mm. So if you've interpreted something different to someone else or if you've interpreted it in a way that maybe deemed not safe or it wasn't a great experience, every decision that you make moving forwards is based off of that interpretation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that like listening to that, a lot of people are probably, they can resonate with it, but they might not see how it weaves its way into say, obviously like if you're listening to this podcast you're invested in physique results performance-based results strength results so how do things like those beliefs that we've created um, I know you mentioned like limiting beliefs before sort of weave their way into things that we might be working on in terms of our own personal goals
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is where like the root symptoms, the root causes, the core trauma sort of comes into play. So I'll use my own personal experience with this and and I also have another one that I can chat about as well. But talking about the physique fitness side of things, if you have a belief or you made a decision as a young child based off an experience that um, has left you feeling like I said earlier, unsafe or that this wasn't a great experience and it was quite painful, the decisions you make around your fitness, your health and and what that means for you, it's going to determine the actions that you then take. And so it can be a little bit confusing because it feels like there's two people in the same body Mm. and I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I know I have personally. (laughs) We've we've chatted about it multiple times but you – you have all your experiences as an adult and you you go through life and you see things, you have an awareness to a certain degree, but then for some reason you can't quite move past what you think you know. Mm. And so then that's where this, I'll say other part, this is the what we would call um, an ego or some people refer to it as a, as a wounded child or an inner child, depending on which part of the the space you're in but this ego is the part that keeps us safe and this part of us is what's making the decisions so in terms of health and fitness um, I had made decisions when I was younger that my body needed to be perfect I needed to be perfect in order for me to have happiness Mm. so perfection equaled happiness which means the all or nothing mindset yeah yeah needing things to be perfect so if my body wasn't perfect, mm. then I wasn't doing well. I wasn't going to be happy. So mm. you can see then as a narrative, that's going to cause a lot of trouble. Yeah. If I'm putting on weight, I'm, I don't like what I see, or if I'm not what society deems as mm. a perfect physique, then I'm going to be unhappy with what I look like. And I'm going to strive to things that aren't necessarily healthy for me mm. because I'm worried about what it looks like and what I will get because of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think for a lot of people like listening to this and I know like our client base struggles a lot with or our demographic struggles a lot with you know, self-sabotage and the all or nothing mindset. I think the biggest, um, I didn't really know what to call it. It's just like a truth bomb is that these things happen so early on. And I think that that's probably where a lot of people just don't have the awareness that that's kind of like where these things originate from. So like, you know, we talk a lot about the growth and the ownership mindset and pulling yourself out of like a deflective state or a fixed mindset. And it's such a huge realization that we've created these beliefs such a long time ago and that they've just stuck with us for all of this time that they've now just become something that we run on as an autopilot basis
1: absolutely uh, and that's a perfect description there you mm. know
0: autopilot
1: or blind spots as they're yeah. often referred yeah. to um, so you have to understand that when you're when we're younger Between the ages of like one to seven, we're basically just sponges. All we do is absorb information and we take on that information. We actually don't have the cognitive development to understand life from someone else's perspective. Mm. So if we're just absorbing all this information and we interpret something a certain way, we don't have the ability to analyze that it could possibly be something other than Mm. what we've seen. And if that's what you then learn... If you're not taught otherwise, that's the decision that you then carry with mm. you as an adult. So because of that, it becomes a an, an automatic response because that's what you learn. So that's how you respond to that circumstance, that environment, mm. that experience. And so you don't see it. It's a blind spot yeah. because it's so familiar to you that you're not aware that it's actually not necessary for you.
0: Something that you speak about, I've heard you speak about before is the idea of truth versus belief and like I've heard you use the analogy of the sun and I think that that's obviously we've got our processes for in the moment getting yourself out of like a deflective or a fixed mindset but I really like that analogy so I'd love for you to be able to share that with the listeners because it just blows your mind like how much we can actually believe these things to be the truth and like the way of going through that is a really good way of recognizing or a really good way of pulling yourself out of that. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: if you look at the definition of truth, it's it's a fact. A fact can't be changed. It can't be disputed. It's it's hard evidence, right? Mm. So it's true that this table is made of wood. You can't dispute that, mm. right? It's, it's made of wood. So when we look at our emotions or when we look at how we're feeling, it's important to look and, and begin to learn to question what you're feeling. Is this a truth? Like it's hard. It, it can't change mm. or is it something I believe and so the analogy that you're referring to the sun comes up every day okay the sun is there it comes up every day whether we can see it or not whether you're a morning person or you're a night person so the feeling is you either like it coming up or you don't like it coming up the mm. fact is the truth is it's coming up either way yeah right so there's the analogy how to apply that to our everyday life and understanding how that can support us moving forwards for example uh if we look at a a belief in the gym for example i don't i don't believe that i can lift this weight is it an actual truth Mm. or is it something i believe about myself have you tried it have you done everything you possibly can to see whether or not it's possible for you Mm. or is it just something that you decided before you actually went for it Mm. um I had a conversation with someone recently and they said, I just can't see how this applies to this, to this space. And I said, all right, let's chat about it. And so the end result was, I want to build this, this future. I want to build this, this thing. And I see this person over here and I want to reach like they have and create a space that they've created. You know, I, I see that and that's what I want. And I said, okay, tell me why you feel you can't have that. And they said, oh, it just doesn't feel possible for me. I said, yeah, totally understand. That's really valid. You mm. know, it feels like it's not possible. I said, so if that was true, that it wasn't possible for you, then it's a hard fact, mm. which means it's not possible for Th- anybody yeah, else. for
0: them either. So yeah. the person
1: that you're trying to reach towards, they wouldn't have what you're looking at. Mm. It just wouldn't exist because yeah. it's not true. So you can see that the truth versus the belief is very different. And so we want to lean into that mm. so much so that we start to uncover, is this just something I'm feeling and a decision that I've made somewhere along the way? Or is this an actual fact that can't be changed?
0: Yeah. The reason I like it is because I think it, once you kind of see it, it's really easy to humor yourself for it as well. (laughs) Um, Like I was having a conversation with a new client yesterday and she was like, you know, my weight has just stalled and I really want to get, you know, another five kilos off, but I just feel like it's never going to happen for me. And I was like, This is exactly one of those scenarios where it's like, has it happened for someone else? Like, has anyone else in the world moved through a stall? And you can really start to call yourself out on that like fixed mindset where you kind of just like pull yourself down. Yes, And I like that you can humor yourself for it because once you see it, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, (laughs) Everyone else has done it. Like, I'm not special. Like, why wouldn't I
1: be able to do it? Yeah. And it's so interesting you say that because our mind will try to rationalize all the ways Mm. that it's not possible for us. But that's it. Once you can see the humor in it, it quite often diffuses that that initial feeling or that fear reaction Mm. to the experience. So, yeah,
0: it's a very interesting um, process to watch. Yeah. So you mentioned before the all or nothing mindset and it's something that you've had um, experiences with in the past and even just like self-sabotage and overthinking what you're doing how can we start to switch that dialogue or start to engage in behaviors that are in alignment with the direction that we'd like to be headed in? Because I think when it comes to that, there's almost this like vision of, you know, who I want to be, what I want to look like, what do I want to achieve? And it's like the actions that we're engaging in on a day-to-day basis aren't necessarily reflecting that end goal that we have. So, Like, how do we start to navigate that and almost rewrite those patterns and those behaviours to be more in alignment with that ideal version of ourselves? Yeah, so there's
1: a number of different ways that you can do it. Obviously, there's the, you know, going deep into this inner work and and finding the whys as to why they started in the first place, why they're there and and seeing that they're actually not, uh, what's the word I'd use here? They're not working for us anymore. Mm. you know, <clears throat> they're, they're helping us to survive, but they're certainly not helping us thrive mm. and we want to be able to thrive. Uh, another way to, if, if you're not really ready to take that deep dive into this inner work is just to get really curious. And mm. this is what I say to a lot of people. I know we, again, we've had this yeah. conversation a lot, just getting curious. Um, and from curiosity, there's actually no judgment. Mm. You're not judging yourself. You're not judging the, the experience. And so by just being curious about what's happening, you get an overall picture of it's just this thing that's happening in front of you rather than happening to you.
0: Yeah. And
1: so you can pull back from the emotion of it a little bit and then just view it for what it really is. Mm. So by being able to get curious about how you feel, you can then again apply that Truth versus belief. If yeah. I'm really curious about this experience, when it comes to training or nutrition, and, and you know, nutrition's a really good one. When you look at, do I need to have this food? Do I need to be doing what I'm doing? If I get really curious about why I think I need to do this right now, why is that? Why do I really need to do this, or why do mm. I feel like I should or shouldn't be doing this? Whichever way you want to go about it, um, and then from that curiosity, you can go, okay, well, if that is actually true it would have to be true for everybody. Yeah. And again with that, I would if you're having trouble seeing it from your own self, I would apply it to someone you care about or someone you respect or someone who you're very close to. Mm. More often times it's easier to see the behavior or the the misunderstanding in someone else. Yeah. than it is for ourselves. Yeah. So if you can apply that theory to someone else, it makes it a little bit easier to pull yourself out of the emotional yeah. response.
0: Yeah, I like that. Something I often say like to my clients is like what would you say to like your best friend if they were saying these things or doing these things. It's funny that you mentioned the nutrition thing because I did have that as a question, um, just around, you know, emotional eating, it, exactly what you kind of just mentioned. Yeah. Um, so you kind of started to scratch the surface, yeah. I guess. But it is one of those things. I know binge eating. I'm going to kind of put it in quotation marks because whether or not it actually is binge eating um, is up for debate. Mm-hmm. But emotionally driven eating, I'd probably be more inclined to say, is something that a lot of um, our clientele and you know community seem to struggle with. So, like, how does that present itself? And it obviously, you just started to sort of unpack that, but. What are some of the steps and some strategies that, you know, people can start to use to navigate that or work through that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One thing I found really important through my studies with early childhood education that really flowed into the adult behaviors was the two things that children have absolute and total control over Mm. are when and if they go to the toilet and their food. That makes so much sense, <laughs> doesn't nice. it? Yeah, right. And so as adults, we don't think anything of it. Yeah. But if you if you f- again take the f- the understanding that everything we're doing has come from when we're children and the beliefs that we've decided, if the only thing that we can control is the food,
0: mm. and that was
1: the one thing we had control over or the one thing we feel we can control, then the the decisions that we're going to make around our nutrition as adults are going to be affected by that. Mm. So, it could be again when you take into that that perfectionist mindset or the you know the all or nothing mindset, um, how you feel about food or how that plays a role into your physique or how that plays a role into needing to control your environment. They're all going to determine your results. They're all going to have say in in what happens for you moving forwards with your nutrition. Um, for me. Personally, I found that when I was, you know, not liking what I saw in the mirror or I was really struggling with my body and my body image, the more, excuse me, the more I knew that I wanted this body, the harder it was for me to actually eat what I was supposed to be eating. Mm. So... When you look at foods, and and this is just like one aspect, there's so many different avenues, but one aspect of food is the, we all have an energy signature, you know, and, and that's not, it can sound quite woo woo, mm-hmm. but science can prove that we all have an energy signature, food included. So if you think about the energy that junk food or carbs, for example, might give off as opposed to a salad or something that you would put in the healthy basket, mm. it's it's dense, it's heavy, mm. junk food is filling, it's whole. Mm. So if you're not feeling those things internally, personally, right. you're seeking that. So you're you're then more likely to reach for the things that help you feel that way. Mm. So when you're feeling good or when you're feeling positive, you've got a good body image. It's easier to reach for the things that feel light and airy and good mm. because you're already feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see if you're not conscious of those beliefs or you're not conscious of that level of, mm. of need, it would definitely
0: have an effect on what you're eating. That's actually blown my mind. It's crazy. <laughs> and like obviously we've done a lot of work together and I can see, you know, where we might seek things elsewhere but I've never thought about it in that capacity that's crazy
1: yeah there's that's it there's so many facets to this and I could literally sit here and talk for hours but that was one that really stuck with me too when you look at the energy of the food and what that represents for you so if you're not feeling good about yourself you're going to reach for things that mimic that feeling
0: Mm. yeah it kind of also relates back to that idea of like I want to be this person and I can't kind of get there and it's like yeah, because we're, you know, seeking things outside of ourselves that we don't feel like we already have. What a circle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and I'm, I'm glad
1: you mentioned that. With all of this work and the one thing that you we really underestimate is that self-sabotage circle that we get ourselves into. And we just don't leave ourselves room to exit. It's like you're on this hamster wheel mm. and you don't actually leave yourself a door to get off. Mm. Because humans, you know, the, the smart creatures that we are, we always like to be right,
0: and mm.
1: we'll do anyway, in anything, and we will do anything we can to prove ourselves right, mm. and that includes sabotaging ourselves to prove that you know, if we decided that we aren't worthy of this body that we're chasing, or if we decided that we're not capable of being able to achieve the body that we desire, or being able to stick to the nutrition and plan that you have,
0: mm. then. I will prove myself right by getting it wrong. Mm, Well, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can see how that happens. Yeah. And then we kind of just get stuck in this spiral. Yeah. What a fun place to be. (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) So you spoke about um, perfectionism before and you touched on body image. I think inside of that comes comparison and judgment and all of those things. So just thinking about, you know, like if we have a think about progress – results something that we see quite often is progress is happening and that person can't necessarily see it for what it is um or the alternative where it's like you know when I get to x then I'll be happy then then everything will be fine and then you know you get to that point and nothing changes it's like I get to the scale weight you know I want to be 60 kilos you get to 60 kilos and you're like nothing's different like I'm not any happier than what I was before that so where does that come from like how how does that sort of manifest itself
1: yeah great question uh this is one that that stumps quite a lot of people and I know this is something again that I've experienced and Mm. I know we've had conversations about it as well so it's when we look at I need to be over here I want to be over here I need to be at this this goal by the time you get there you feel unfulfilled right Mm. so When, again, when we talk about energy, people might have heard the saying, like for like, or like attracts like, Mm. or you get more of what you give, Yeah. right? So, if you're not conscious of those limiting beliefs, those blind spots that you have, all of these things are happening automatically. They're happening Mm -hmm. subconsciously. So, when you say, I need to be at this goal weight, or I need to be over here at this this goal line, what you're saying is that I don't have it. Mm. So by saying I don't have it, you're actually going to get more of nothing or more of the same thing. And you put an expectation on a need to be something outside of yourself. It's like only when I have this will I be happy. Mm. So if you think about energy and speaking that into existence, right, what you feel and what you say is what you get. Mm. If you're saying I need that in order to be happy – What you're saying is that I don't have have it. it You get more of nothing or you get more of being unhappy when you reach that goal Mm. because you don't believe that you can be happy without it. Yeah. So then it's you're never actually going to reach the feeling that you're looking for because it doesn't actually come from reaching the goal. It comes from a decision that you made about Mm. where you're headed. Um, And sort of off the back of that, this is the the difference between having a goal and having a vision – You literally just jump
0: ahead to like the next question that I'm going to ask you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Continue.
0: Look, they do kind of tie in, I guess. Um,
1: But yeah, having a goal and having a vision are two very different Mm. things. So if we consider, again, energy like attracts like, you want to feel into already having that thing Mm. because then you know what it's like to have it and you feel into feeling confident, feeling happy, joyful, um, competent, uh, what's the other one we use a lot of capable. Yeah. Right. So you're feeling into all of those as if you already have them. So then you know what it feels like to have them, which means the things you want just come at you more naturally because you're not chasing them, Mm. but then also you're already feeling all those things. So then by the time you reach that goal, you can be excited about it because you're not chasing the next thing that's going to give you, I say give you, Mm. because you think it's coming from outside of you. Yeah. So feeling into the vision of already having it versus chasing a goal that's at the end of the the line to then not being satisfied when you get there.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question around visualization. Um, I know it's a process that like you speak about a lot and how we can use that to our advantage. So if you are someone who... It's kind of like, you know, insecure and not feeling confident, not loving the way that you look. It can sound like a lot and it can sound really fake and forced to sit there and say, well, I am like capable. I am confident. Like you can feel really icky if you don't feel like that or if you feel the total opposite end of the scale. So like what can we use, what tools and strategies and processes can help someone start to step into like that feeling place?
1: Yeah. I love that. Uh, So the first thing that I really want to share with you is our body doesn't know the difference between real or imagined. Mm. So just for the listeners out there, if I want you to imagine that you have a giant lemon, you've got a big slice of lemon. And as I'm saying this, I can see you going, Oh, where (laughs) Where are are we going? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You've got this big giant lemon and you take a slice and then you bite down on it. So imagine yourself biting down on that piece of lemon and you can feel the juice like bursting into your mouth and it's sour and it's... And most people will start salivating, Mm. right? Or you'll feel that sourness. For those of my generation, I want you to imagine putting a warhead in your mouth and imagine (laughs) (laughs) you can just feel your mouth sucking itself inwards, right? So what that shows us is you're not actually eating a warhead and you're not actually Mm. eating lemon, but the body doesn't know that that's not happening. So this is really, really powerful stuff that shows us that because it doesn't know the difference between real or imagined, it's really important that we see into what we want Mm. in order to create it. Mm. So some of the things that you can do is mental rehearsal or vivid vivid visions is practicing seeing yourself doing the thing before you've done it. Mm. And so that already shows us if you can believe it's possible, Mm. it is. Yeah. because you've seen it and you've felt it and you know that it's possible for you because you've been able to imagine it. So then the body follows suit. Mm. If it doesn't know the difference between real or imagined, it thinks it's going to be real either way. Mm. So that that's a huge advantage there. Um, and, and anything in that sort of space, you know, being able to practice, what would it feel like for me to actually have this? The language that we use is also important when you talk about energy um, exchange. Rather than saying I am ugly or I am fat or I am whatever other words you want to use in that space, try saying I feel. Mm. <clears throat> because when you say I am, you're saying it's a fact, mm. it's a hard truth. When you say I feel, a feeling is just an emotion, yeah. it can change, it comes and goes. So I feel overweight i feel fat i feel yuck i feel Mm. bloated i feel you can immediately you can feel the difference
0: yeah yeah. in the
1: language you you haven't made a decision that this is what you are Mm. you've made a decision that that's how you feel and then understanding that it can change at any given time
0: yeah i love that it's so simple as well like it's something that you can just change and see the difference in so quickly um what was i going to say we were talking about visualization. So in terms of how frequently (laughs) would you recommend someone like doing this or incorporating is like daily practice. Is it something that they do once a week? Like what do you recommend?
1: Look, it's going to be different for every individual as to how initially how capable they feel to apply these techniques to their life. Mm. Um, And I'm always very conscious of making sure that everybody understands it is a skill Mm. that needs to be learned just like anything else. Yeah. You know, for those of you who were new to the gym, you don't go in expecting to lift the bar Mm. immediately. You don't walk in there going, I'm going to deadlift 100 kilos today. I did it perfectly. Yeah. You go in there with the expectation that I'm going to suck at this and it's going to take a while for me to do this correctly. So, it's a skill that we all need to learn. And so it really just depends on how willing and how, how much you want to invest in this for the results that you're trying to achieve. So, you know, it, it could be a daily practice if you feel that that's something you, you can do. If it's not, that's okay. Start with what you can. Is it just once a week? Is it a couple of days? Is it easier if you set an alarm so that mm. you've got a little bit of accountability there? Partners are really good for that too. You don't want to make them responsible for you, but if you can do something alongside your partner, use Mm. them to um, kind of bounce off and reflect with at the end of the day or, you know, at the end of the week. There's lots of different ways you can incorporate it, but it really does depend on on your level of willingness to Mm. go into that space.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One of the topics that I use you for a lot inside of like my client base um, is stress management Um, and you've got some meditations on YouTube and obviously you've got your own podcast. When we think about you know being in a really heightened state of arousal and I guess like that influencing our decision making around you know the behaviors that we would like to exhibit those mindfulness strategies and obviously like the meditations and whatnot that you talk about how can we use them to our advantage and I think that one of the main barriers that a lot of my clients personally come up against is like number one like I just can't do it like it's it's too hard it's not for me um and number two like I just don't see the benefit of it like I tried it once and it's something that I've never really seen the benefit of so how can we use these to like Better manage our stress or our emotional state because we know we may make better decisions when we're in a better emotional state.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when you say better emotional state, what you're actually referring to is how safe we feel at the time, mm. and we don't realize that often because it's not. Again, it's not something we're aware of. Yeah. We don't know that our primal instincts are kicking in here, and it's about being safe. So when we feel safe and powerful and in control, and when I say powerful, I don't mean like I'm all powerful, mighty. <laughs> like I'm talking about we feel that inner power that yeah. gives us the courage to do the things we want to do. Mm. So, you know, we quite often hear, as you mentioned, oh, I, I can't do this. And and I've heard this a lot with journaling. Oh, it doesn't work for me. I've tried it. Totally understand. It isn't for everyone mm. all the time. But these things that we can use to our advantage to minimize our stress are highly important because stress comes from as I said feeling unsafe feeling unsure or not being in the present moment and this is a really important part of the whole journey because we hear a lot and these terms are used probably overused Mm. almost nowadays talking about depression and anxiety they definitely Mm. exist I'm not not saying that they don't but are you do you have anxiety or Mm. are you just an anxious person? Mm. There are differences. Do you have depression or are you just feeling depressed at the moment? There are very big differences between the two. And they both allude to, I'm either stuck in the past because I can't change what happened and I'm, I'm feeling like I need to be in that space or I'm feeling anxious because I'm I don't know what's coming and I don't know how to navigate the future. So I'm worried about the future or I'm worried about the past, which means I'm not here in the present. Mm. So we need to find ways in which we can utilize what we do have, the tools that we have to bring us back to the present, which is why people will suggest journaling, meditation, breath work, all those, you know, grounding, getting out and into nature, mm. putting your feet in the grass. The the feedback that we get often that you mentioned before is that I can't do this or it doesn't work for me is oftentimes resistance. Yeah. So the resistance comes from if I do this, it's going to take me to a place that'll make me uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've felt that 100% as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And again, like I can attest to that too. It's like, I don't want to look at this right now because I know if I have to admit whatever I'm feeling, it's going to hurt or Mm. it's painful or Oftentimes, we we don't want to admit to the things we think because they make us feel really bad about ourselves. Mm. And if they're true or if we think that they're true, saying them out loud actually makes them feel real. Mm. So if we don't make them real, then it's much easier to just pretend like they don't exist. Yeah. But being able to admit how we're feeling or admit what we're stressing about or just admit in general to what's happening in that moment is actually where our power lies. Mm. When you can... When you can admit to what you're feeling, you then allow yourself the Mm -hmm. ability to see it for what it really is. Again, having that awareness and being able to look at it from curiosity, but you can't look at it from curiosity if you're not willing to accept that it's even there in the first place. Mm. So journaling is a prime example of that. I've had multiple uh, clients and people that I work with come to me and say, I can't do it. You know, I sit down and nothing happens. My brain goes blank. I said, yep, I totally get it. What if we move away from it needing to be perfectly written? What if we move away from it needing to be a quick fix and you're literally just word vomiting onto the page? Mm. You just want to write about your day or write about the things that have happened and don't necessarily put pressure on it to be anything other than, I just need to brain dump right now. Uh, And interestingly enough, and not surprisingly, It works Mm. because you take the pressure off what it's supposed (laughs) to be. And it's like, oh, I can do this. Again, truth first belief. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible for everybody. It's just whether or not you're willing to see the reason you couldn't do it in the first Mm. place.
0: It's funny you say that because I'm just thinking back to like I've had some clients recently just like, you know, struggling with certain things. And even like acutely, obviously, it's a little bit more filtered than if it was in a journal. But it's like the check-in is like blah. It's like everything fucking sucks. I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And then the following month is everything is just like perfect. And like they've just like seen everything for what it is and then just been able to yeah. move through it. So that's like a really acute example and obviously a little bit more filtered than what you might express to your online coach. Yes. But it's just a. I can see it like a, as a really – prime example of being able to witness your own thoughts and like the check-in is a really good place to be able to do that um and then obviously like you just see that follow through through the following weeks and month and it's like fuck like that's cool
1: yeah absolutely and you can see just like think about it as a release of energy too Mm. I know again some of this can sound really woo woo or a little bit like hippie whatever (laughs) as as Ben likes to call me I'm a hippie um but realistically speaking, if you're holding on to all these feelings, all these thoughts, they, they're not just nothing, mm. they, they have an energy signature. So if you have all of that energy inside of you, just um, festering is probably a good word. What's going to happen long term if we don't acknowledge all those things that are building mm. up inside of us so giving ourselves a platform that's non-judgmental that's safe and that's something that you you know you guys you've built STC fit have built that your clients feel safe enough to be able to express those things mm. to you and it provides a platform for them to just purge what doesn't serve them anymore so energetically as they're typing it releases. Mm. So they make space for more of what they do want because they're not focused on the stuff they don't want anymore. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it's an important message, especially for, I hate to say it, but like the type A perfectionist person who doesn't want to express those things because it's wrong and I have to be perfect. And, you know, I can't say these things and everything has to be good and sunshine and rainbows. And like, I've definitely been there before. Like I've had previous coaches that I've lied to because, you know, I didn't want to, admit that, you know, things were hard and I think that um, giving the permission slip to be able to say those things and like feel those things move through them is so empowering um, on a long-term basis. Absolutely and I think I've said this too, you know, you've been my coach for what,
1: close to six months Mm. now I think you've been taking care of my my training and and my nutrition and and even for me recently you know I was going through some some body image issues and some weight gain that I wasn't happy with and I fell off the radar for a few weeks but knowing that each week I could check into that space and just Mm. have the safe space to say you know this is how I'm showing up this is all I need to do this week and have that support there so then admitting that I made a mistake or admitting not even a mistake just Mm. this is was this was my choice this week yeah and for a coach to say cool what are we going to do next week where do you want to go with this Mm. you know if you don't have a coach who's supporting you in the down moments of your training nutrition of your life of whatever that journey looks like Mm. I'm gonna say find a new one Mm. because you don't want someone there who's just gonna berate you or when I say beat up, I mean, emotionally, like they're telling you off for not doing what you should be doing. Don't get me wrong. At times, you know, coaches have to poke the finger and say, Hey, what's going on? Mm. You know, we need to really look at this, but ultimately the coach is there to support your journey. Mm. It's your choice, what you do. So then those type A personalities and and like, I'm, I'm myself, I've had that problem before where, you know, (laughs) I think I have said to you before I I went in and I couldn't do the exercise right I cracked it cried and left yeah. like I couldn't do it so I'm out yeah. right it's like that's being able to admit that out loud it's like that was my choice I know I got stuck in my own fear my own self-judgment in that space it, it's about the honesty having that real honesty with yourself and mm. knowing I'm a, I do have perfectionist tendencies or that all or nothing narrative mm. But if you let it define you, Mm. nothing's going to change. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like what you just said about um, I made a choice. Like I made this decision and being able to own the decision that was, you know, potentially not in alignment with what you actually wanted. And something that I see a lot of people struggle with is like understanding that that is a choice um, or even feeling guilty for what's actually happened. I think that when you can own that decision – takes away a lot of the guilt because you recognize that, you know, it was your responsibility. Like, how do you get to that point? Because it's something that, especially as we roll into Christmas and like the festive season and yes. obviously decisions around nutrition and and understanding certain trade-offs to behavior is something that we're having a lot of conversations about. So what would you say to someone who's, you know, nervous and a bit scared about how they might handle the next couple of months and, almost come out of that beating themselves up for what happened
1: yeah I think one of the one of the main points that I make to all the, all the people that I work with and something that I worked on w- within myself too was learning to accept mistakes mm. learning to accept or as one of my coaches actually said to me don't look at it as a mistake look at it as a mistake. Mm. right and and think about children a child doesn't just i mean some they they can be geniuses but <laughs> most children won't just stand up one day and start walking mm. right they get up they fall down they get up they fall down they take a few steps they fall down it's a process mm. as adults we're not used to learning we're not used to making mistakes because we get so proficient in doing things effectively at doing mm. things right so if you're heading into the season worrying about what's going to happen or if you happen to drop the ball or you don't do something that you thought you should have be kind to yourself there was a reason why you didn't do it the way you wanted to whether you're conscious of it or not whether you're aware of it or not and another thing that humans don't like to do is be responsible <laughs> yeah <laughs> because with responsibility comes pressure yeah. comes expectation and if there's a possibility that having responsibility means stuffing up getting it wrong you know looking bad Mm. if we're worried about what people are going to think of us or what that then means about us if we get this wrong um, then we try to avoid it at all costs Mm. so I don't want to be responsible for this and that's where blame comes in well it was you know there was too many things on the table and everyone else was eating and drinking and so I felt like I had to as well That's where you mentioned before about choice, whether you're conscious of it or not, that's still a choice. Mm. You're choosing your behavior, whether you're conscious of it or not, based off experiences that you had when Mm. you were younger, you're navigating these experiences from a place that's automatic. Yeah. So taking responsibility for that and going, what are my patterns? Does this happen all the time when I'm in a social setting? Does this happen when I'm nervous? Does this happen when I'm unsure? Like, what are my triggers here? What are the things that seem to be affecting me? And when are they happening? Mm. And if you're not sure or you can't see it, ask someone close to you because I bet you they will know. Yeah. You know, other people will see things before you because you don't want to look at them because they're painful. Mm. where Or you don't want to be responsible, right? So, then other people will be able to say to you, oh, yeah, you always do that when you're out here.
0: Mm.
1: Not as a judgment, just as an, an observation. Attached. It's yeah. an unattached yeah. observation. So you know, use the people that are closest to you that you trust to say, when
0: do I do this? Mm Because I know that I keep doing this, but I'm not sure why. I like that. And it's very helpful to have a coach in that area (laughs) as well. If I do say so myself.
1: (laughs) Yes. And that's what I love about being able to provide in this space. It's, that was the most important thing for me through my own journey to have the support network there that, that can point out, do you see when this is happening? maybe that this is what's going on and and more most often you know everyone will sit back and oh yeah yeah can see that now <laughs> like the
0: realization like yes yes I did just do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh thank you so much for coming on I am blown away and we talk weekly so I know that everyone else will get a lot of insight out of this episode if you guys are thinking about working with Amy go and do it that's all I need to say <laughs> No, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Tell the listeners where they can find you. You have a podcast. Go and plug that so everyone goes and listens. <laughs> awesome. Um, look, the podcast is really new. It's Think
1: Less, Feel More. You can find it on all the major podcast platforms: Spotify, Apple. Um, so I think at the moment there is only about three episodes, but they'll they'll dive more into the core trauma stuff, the the root cause. So if you want to go have a listen to that, uh, and I'm on Instagram. So Amy Beth AU. You can find me on there. If anyone ever wants to have a chat, I'm always down and open to having a chat about anything that they're struggling with. Um, You know, even if it's just a, hey, I don't even know where to start. What (laughs) do I do? Help. As Ben (laughs) says, help. (laughs) Yeah. That's absolutely it. You know, I don't, I never want anyone to think that they're alone in this journey. We need a tribe.
0: Mm -hmm. That's,
1: at the end of the day, you need to have support. You shouldn't ever feel like you have to do this alone. Mm. And that, for me, that's the biggest message. You don't have to do this alone and even if it means just reaching out and saying I don't know what the next step is, Mm. that's what I'm here for.
0: I love that. Yeah. Thank you. um, Thank you guys for listening and we will catch you in the next episode.